Yes, hello, welcome one, welcome all to the Politics Mostly podcast. I'm your host, Peter Ramirez. Welcome back to me. It's been a while. If I sound nasally, I'm coming off a cold. What else is new? Um, I haven't done one of these fucking shits since February, if you can believe it or not. Uh, let me apologize for that. Uh, work picked up quicker than I thought it would, and then I had surgery, which knocked me out for like a month. Um, and then I got sick, and it's just been awful. So uh, I am back to give you guys free content, because that's what I'm about. Uh, and just back in time for Roe being dismantled by the right. Um, okay, there's a, there's a little bit to discuss here. I mean, first and foremost... The slapdown of Roe, which will now make abortion a state's right issue, um, that's only going to be temporary, right? Because they're going to start making laws and start filing lawsuits that's going to try to take away abortion in blue states, right? Because that's the natural culmination of things, is if you think abortion is killing someone, you're not going to stop with, well, allow the states to kill someone. You're going to go after the states where you can kill someone, according to your view, right? So, um, the, but the right is very smart about, you know, choosing the battles and how they frame it. So this is just step one in their plan. They're, they're coming for everyone, trust me. Um, I think Roe being decided on privacy was a bad idea. It should have been decided under equal protection of law. Because, and you know, I have no tangible proof of this. It's just my opinion looking at the world and my experience in it is that if men got pregnant, you could get abortion on demand, regardless of the state you're in, um, very easily. So, you know, they, they bedded it in privacy, and now it's thrown out because the right wing packed the courts, uh, wouldn't let Obama appoint a justice, and here we are. The big takeaway, I have really like two takeaways, and then a quote I want to read you guys. I kind of liked Roe in the sense that if you were pro-life, and I'll use pro-life in air quotes because I'm not going to call a pro-war party pro-life. I'm not going to call an anti-welfare party pro-life. I'm not going to call a pro-capital punishment party pro-life. I'm not going to do it. So let's just call them anti-abortion people, right? Um... What I liked about Roe is that if you were anti-abortion, you didn't have to have an abortion, right? Nobody was forcing you to have an abortion. And if you wanted abortion, you could have an abortion, right? It was basic liberty, basic choice. This is a very important decision a woman makes in her life. And the question becomes, do you want the government to make that choice for women? Or do you want women, do you trust women to make choices over their own body? Uh, I think the obvious answer is clear. Um, the first takeaway I have about Roe is that it's really, I think we're going to see the largest expansion of governmental power I've seen in my life right now, right? We just are. And I've lived through the war on drugs. I've lived through 9-11 and the subsequent war on terror. <coughs> Both failures because of Republicans, I should say. Um, but this Roe decision is going to be 
the biggest expansion of governmental power over its citizens I think I'm going to experience in my entire life. At least up to this point, I know that for sure. It's hard to project 10, 20, 30 years from now. What we're going to have is states that ban abortion. And we're going to have a situation where if you live in a blue state, you can get an abortion. If you're a wealthy woman in a red state, you can travel to get an abortion. And if you're a poor woman in a red state, you do not have that option. You do not have that luxury, most likely. Um, disproportionately, women of color. So what we're going to have is a weird system where doctors are going to be afraid to provide certain um, procedures or advice for a woman, you know, ectopic pregnancies, stuff like this. You know, they're going to go after the doctors, they're going to go after the healthcare industry, the government. You're going to have government workers knocking on your house if you were pregnant and then became unpregnant, right? You know, even if you say it was a miscarriage, they're going <laughs> to, if abortion is murder and you say you miscarried, they're going, they're going to investigate you to see if you actually miscarried, right? Women who do have abortion, and there will be women who have abortion just because it's illegal, right? People do things that are illegal all the time. I don't expect abortion to be different. Those women are going to go to jail. I don't think that's a good look for Republicans. I don't think that's a good look for this country, but it's going to happen. So the, the state will prosecute women who have abortions. They'll go after the healthcare industry that provides abortions or abortion-adjacent matters. You're going to have the state now sifting through mail because abortion pills are going to be illegal in these red states. Plan B could be illegal in these red states. People are going to mail abortion pills to poor women in red states to induce abortion early. So now the government's going to go through your mail. Um, this is going to be, simply put, the biggest expansion of state power we're going to experience in our lives. So I really want to thank my small government conservatives for handing us this. The second thing I really understood with this Roe decision is that the, you know, the right intuitively understands how unpopular this ruling is. Right? They understand that. <coughs> you know, the the draft opinion Alito wrote, which may or may not make it to the final round. You know, my guess is he's going to go, he's going to bend over backwards to change everything he writes to prove that it was just a draft. Like, I don't think he's going to copy and paste this shit because that would make the leaker, the leaker would win in that situation. The, the, his standard is abortion wasn't a right entrenched, like, in the history of our country. And it's not in the Constitution. And, you know, I didn't go to law school. Um, I would say law is something I'm vaguely familiar with. But I've read smarter people than me say that under this thinking, a lot of decisions such as same-sex marriage could fall under the same rationale. And so you have Alito in this opinion bending over backwards to assure people that interracial marriage will remain legal. That, you know, I don't think he mentioned same-sex marriage because I'm sure he would overturn that. Um, 
same-sex marriage, sodomy laws, right? All these things where, you know, stuff that wasn't uh, explicitly stated in the Constitution or around at the time of the Constitution's writing could now fall by the wayside. And he then, so that so that's his own standard he makes. And then he says, oh, by the way, this won't extend to like interracial marriage, right? And, you know, why why is that? Then he starts talking about, well, now because we're talking about fetal life, you know, he just keeps making his own standards for overturning Roe. Um, so he says it wasn't in the Constitution and it wasn't really readily available at the time. So it's not that. But you know what? Interracial marriage... I'm going to single that out and say, don't use this ruling to go attack interracial marriage. <laughs> so he's just like, you know, making up his own laws. I didn't vote for Samuel Alito. Um, I don't know why he's governing, governing me like this, but take it as you will. But I really do think this idea is worth exploring. The idea that the right understands it doesn't have a popular position, right? I tuned into Fox News, as I do frequently, right? It's also in my gym, omnipresent. You know, they, my gym does a great job of offering diversity of opinion because on one show, on one TV, there's Fox News, but on the other TV, it's Fox Business. Um, I thought there would be jubilation on Fox News, right? You have a decades-long activist movement to infiltrate the judicial branch, the Federalist Society, all this fucking crap. And after 50 years of established norms where women didn't go to jail for having an abortion, now they will go to jail if they have an abortion. I thought they'd be happy, right? This is a big win for them. I remember watching CNN when Obergefell, or however you pronounce it, was passed. I think that was 2015, same-sex marriage. Everyone was happy. It was like, wow, you know, the state can't discriminate against same-sex couples. Um, but when I was watching Fox News, I realized something. <coughs> and that's, they weren't particularly happy. You see, for Fox News, the leak was the story, not the ruling. They were more up in arms about the leak. And I saw the statistics that backed me up online showing that for the first 24 hours, the leak, the leak got more airtime on Fox News than the ruling itself. Which to me tells me everything I need to know about the abortion issue. Right? If abortion is so popular for the right, why did every justice, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, Coney Barrett, uh, especially, you know, those are the Trump ones, why did they all come up under oath during their confirmation hearing and say, I think Rose established president? Um, because if they came up and said, I don't like abortion, I'm going to rule against it if it comes up, they would, they would lose the confirmation hearing. They had to lie and obfuscate on the stand about their abortion positions because it's so unpopular. If it was popular, they could have just come up there and said, hey, I'm right wing. Uh, I think abortion's murder. I will rule that way if you appoint me. Then they wouldn't have gotten appointed because that's not a majority opinion in this country, right? Then Susan Collins, the main senator, one of the two main senators, told everyone 
that in private those three justices told her that they would not overrule Roe. In private, you know, these justices, before they get confirmed, meet with senators one-on-one in private. And normally those conversations stay off the record, but Susan Collins came out and said, they all looked at me in the eye and said, Roe's not going anywhere. Well, a year later, it went somewhere. Out. (laughs) And once again, why do they have to lie? Because this isn't a majority opinion. Most people in America don't want first trimester abortions to be banned. They don't want women going to jail. They don't want doctors going to jail. They don't want Plan B to become illegal. They don't want the government to show up when you when they suspect you may have had an abortion and you claim it was a miscarriage. They don't want the government going through your mail looking for abortion pills. Okay? Most people in America don't want this. Which takes me to the, the tracker poll. There's great large sample size survey data going back to 1973 when Roe was established asking tens of thousands of people yearly Do you support upholding Roe or overturning Roe? And consistently, since the 70s, the percentage of the the American public, and this is not 100 people or 1,000 people, these are tens of thousands of people over decades, a tracking poll. The support, uh, the, the, the group that wanted to overturn Roe consistently had about 25 to 29 percent of the country right a quarter of the country wanted row overturned <coughs> conversely the people who wanted to up to hold row to keep row was consistently like 67 to 70 percent of the people and these were very static these did not go up or down much year to year a few points here a few points there but these are pretty much straight lines over the decades this is a three to one issue for People who don't who support abortion versus those who are against it, right? This I mean we're living in minority rule, right? I mean President Trump lost the popular vote in the election and appointed three justices who helped overturn Roe, and then George Bush, who lost the election, was able to appoint justices who sat on this case, right? Who lost the popular vote, I should say, in two thousand. So we're increasingly headed towards this kind of model as a country where the, the the person who gets fewer votes wins the election, and then that party will do things like hold the Supreme Court seat open for 436 days until their guy, who doesn't even win the election, wins the election, and then jam-pack it full of right-wing nuts. You know, that's why people like me don't view the Supreme Court as legitimately as I once did. I really don't. I mean, if if the abortion ruling happened, you know, they, uh, there would always be, even when Kennedy was on the court and it was pretty safe that, you know, major abortion stuff wasn't going to, you know, Roe wasn't going to get overruled, etc. <coughs> there would be abortion cases all the time. And they would get shot down, shot down, shot down because it wasn't just Roe in 73. It was Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992, right? This was like a super precedent. 50 years, that was the law of this country. Half a century. And um, what happened was the same suits got brought with different members on the Supreme Court. And now there's a different ruling. You see, that's where the court loses its legitimacy for me because it's no longer just this neutral, pretty much balanced. There's always going to be, you know, as, as an odd number, one side will have quote-unquote more. In my entire life, the court's been conservative. 
But even, you know, a 5-4, Roberts isn't totally an ideal. Uh, Kennedy would swing on some issues. I, you know, I, I always thought growing up that, you know, I would disagree here and there, you know, Bush v. Gore, all that kind of shit. But for the most part, I felt like they were competent and, and they cared about stuff. And then, you know, now I look at the court, I don't even recognize it. You know, I really don't. It's full of weird, ideologically driven people who you know how they're going to vote, especially the right-wing justices, before the case is even brought. And there's this weird ecosystem pipeline thing of like, now that the court's so right-wing, you have states orchestrating lawsuits to get to the Supreme Court to have them rule in a favorable way because these right-wing places are pushing policies that are so unpopular they can't even make them their own state laws in red states. They have to have the Supreme Court come in and make them laws for them. So this is a bad thing for the for the court. You know, I you look at polling, you know, the, the, the legitimacy of the Supreme Court used to be 60s, even 70% public approval. <coughs> it's now like in the upper 20s. And people consistently view it on the same plane as the executive branch and the legislative branch in terms of things they don't trust. Um, and I'm no different. I don't feel, you know, I'm in the position now where I don't want to see lawsuits go before the Supreme Court because I just know they're going to rule against my interests, against, pre, you know, established president. They're going to rule in these right-wing cases. And they're just going to win. They're just going to give these, these right-wing special interest groups like win after win after win because they fucking pack the court. Um, so that's my Supreme Court rant. Um, now, in terms of... Here's, I'm going to read two quotes for you. One was from The Atlantic. The, this is the opinion they're talking about here is obviously the, Roe, the draft opinion for getting rid of Roe. Quote, the opinion itself reads like a fancy press release from a particularly loyal member of the GOP Senate caucus. Alito's writing reflects the current tone of right-wing discourse, grandiose and contemptuous, disingenuous and self-contradictory, with the necessary undertone of self-piteous justification. Great sentence. That pretty much encapsulates my entire view of the modern right-wing in, in one sentence. Especially the self-piteous justification. Um, I want to read one quote from Methodist pastor David Barnhart, and then I'm done for the day. You know, I, I got to get my sea legs back under me. I've been out of this thing since the winter. You got to, you know, I'm battling through illness. You, you work with me, fam. Work with me. Okay. This is a quote from a pastor, and I think it pretty much sums up a lot of my views on, like, abortion. And I know abortion isn't, like, my calling in life, believe it or not, even though I did a whole episode, and I did an episode like six months ago maybe on abortion, so you'd think, oh, is this like an issue that really animates you? It doesn't really animate me in the way that like climate change does, in the way that like being anti-war does, in the same way that like I pay more income taxes than Jeff Bezos, like that really irritates me. Um, abortion, you know, if I had to choose a side, obviously pro-choice, as you can probably tell 20 minutes into this fucking episode, but... You know, it's not it's not an issue that's going to crack my top 20, right? I, I care more about guns. I care more about, you know, drug reform. I care a lot about, you know, there, there are things like, you know, abortion is an, uh, a topic I have an opinion on, but it's not like a top 20 issue for me. It would be in like the top 100, but not the top 20. 
Anyway, but you know, it's so omnipresent right now that I want to address it and give you my opinions. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. That's what makes America great. Okay, here's the quote by Methodist pastor David Barnhart. Okay, this is a great one. Ready? <clears throat> the unborn are a convenient group of people to advocate for. <coughs> Excuse me. They never make demands of you. They are morally uncomplicated, unlike the incarcerated, addicted, or the chronically poor. They don't resent your condescension or complain that you are not politically correct. Unlike widows, they don't ask you to question patriarchy. Unlike orphans, they don't need money, education, or child care. Unlike aliens, they don't bring you that racial, cultural, and religious baggage that you dislike. They allow you to feel good about yourself without any work at creating or maintaining relationships. And when they are born, you can forget about them, because they cease to be unborn. You can love the unborn and advocate for them without substantially challenging your own wealth, power, or privilege, without reimagining social structures, apologizing, or making reparations to anyone. They are, in short, the perfect people to love if you want to claim you love Jesus, but actually dislike people who breathe. Prisoners, immigrants, the sick, the poor, widows, orphans, all the groups that are specifically mentioned in the Bible, they all get thrown under the bus for the unborn. End quote. Great quote. It is uncomplicated to advocate for the unborn. And once they're born, people forget about them. That's why I don't refer to the GOP as pro-life. Anyway, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I will see you again soon.